You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Uh, my guest today is author and distinguished scholar, Laura Caldwell. Laura's going to be here talking to us today about her latest book, The Dog Park. We'll talk a little bit more about her writing styles and everything going on in her world as well. So it's going to be a great, great show, great, great book to cover. So everybody just hang tight. We're going to come right back after these commercial breaks. Talk to Laura Caldwell. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, joining me now is multi-book author Laura Caldwell. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's our pleasure having you on. Now, tell us about the latest book, The Dog Park. Yeah, I have to say I didn't see this one coming. I, For the last <laughs> many number of years, I've been a mystery writer and a thriller writer and working with people who are innocent, and so I really didn't see a, a dog book around the corner, so to speak, but it was kind of a return to my roots, it's, which used to be in sort of romantic comedies, and uh, it's called The Dog Park, and it's about a divorced Chicago couple who shares joint custody of their golden doodle that they both love. It's the only thing they couldn't separate or <laughs> split up, and the dog is in a video that goes viral, showing the dog saving this kid from being hit by a car, so it's very kind of, you know, pop culture in that... Like we all know, you can be unknown in the morning and trending on, you know, nightly news. Absolutely. Night. <laughs> it's one of those kind of up-to-date kind of current stories, too. That's great. Now, how did you get inspired to write the book? I mean, was, was this an epiphany? Did it wake you up in the middle of the night? Did you see a, a labradoodle running down the street and say, oh, I need to write a dog book? How did that all come about? You know, I got a dog, and um, I got a mini golden doodle. She's almost a toy. Oh, boy. Um, and she's a nugget named Schaefer, and I became just like all things dog. And my agent and my publisher mentioned to me that, you know, your Facebook posts went from, like, book stuff and people who are innocent and law and book stuff to, like, dogs, 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 dogs. <laughs> so... I had um, a book left in my contract, and they said, let's get it out of your system. So we kind of, it was kind of a collaborative process, and we meant to just write it as a, you know, the dog park is supposed to be a book you can take to the dog park. It's fun, fast, read, 
you know. So it kind of came about in that way, and it was, in fact, inspired by the dog, Schaefer, who I have to tell you this, Tim, this is like a confessional. I think my dog is about to surpass me on Twitter. Ah, well, I would like, yeah, I would like to say I'm surprised by that, but I know for my own social media network, whenever I post a nice picture of me doing something great, I think, uh, they're like, oh, that's nice, Tim, you know, a little, like a tennis (laughs) clap comes across the social media page. (laughs) But boy, I I put one out there of uh, some animals that I'm working with from clients, or I put my own schnauzers up there, oh yeah, it blows up, so. Uh Uh-huh, I know, I know, it's fantastic though, but it is funny because, you know, in the book, the the dog becomes like suddenly sort of famous and this couple is thrown back together because their dog that they share is now, the mayor wants a picture of the super dog, as they call him, and she's, you know, designing leashes and so it is a, art imitates life, imitates art, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then tell me, uh, you know, with now that Schaefer's in your life, how has your life changed? Not only from uh, having to, to raise and get used to a, a dog in your life, but what about from a social standpoint? You find that everybody wants to come up and uh, pet the dog and talk to you now, or how's that changed? I feel like that was what was happening the whole time. Like, I mean, it really, Schaefer kind of inspired the dog in the book whose name is Baxter. It's just sort of a a boy version of her. But she's always been that friendly little golden doodle who's been bopping up to everybody in the park already. And, you know, she wins people over. So it just became, that was like sort of our norm. But that's what I loved about, you know, getting the dog was I, you know, everybody says it now, but it's so true. I knew my neighbors so much more from the six months of having a dog than I did in the 10 years, you know, before that, than I had been there. And that was what was, I just had lunch with some friends last week who I'd met on the dog park and uh, at the dog park. And like, that's so funny that we're all sitting here because of our dogs, you know? So I mean, it has been a social thing, both from, you know, just even since the Twitter stuff, but already this dog was the, uh, a very, very friendly, shall we say. Yeah, and it's amazing how you, you get the commonality, and I think with dogs in particular, it's uh, just automatically pulls people toward you. And if they have dogs, you start sharing stories, and you know, it's like, well, you think your dog did something great? Let me show you what my dog did, and you pull out the picture. So it does change your life drastically. What do you recommend doing? As a question I have for you: when people there, when kids kind of shrink from a dog, I just usually give them a wide berth, of course. But sometimes their parents seem to want them to try to get over some dog scared you know behavior and is there like a good way to sort of approach that situation yeah, the best way I know to do it is you put uh, yourself in a neutral location. So we're talking about parks in general, not necessarily the dog park, but just an open park when Schaefer is on leash, for instance. And then when the parent is coming up with the child, turn Schaefer around the backside. So Schaefer's oh. face is not near the dog and uh-huh. see if the, you can encourage the child to pet from the backside. And what that'll do is give them a little bit less stress if they're not comfortable with dogs, with the dog's face and head being there. And on the flip side, Schaefer won't feel the tension and inner nervous energy coming from the child if it reaches uh-huh. for its head. So right. that's a oh, that's good okay. good way to do it, yeah. And then once he uh, the child gets comfortable with that and seeing, oh, this isn't bad, Schaefer feels interesting, isn't the fur a little bit different than some dogs? Yeah. Yep, and then we start working with it. But yeah, let them go at their own pace. Make sure that Schaefer knows what's going on. Present it in that fashion. I think you're going to be in pretty good shape. Oh, good. Thank you.
You're welcome. Little tip from your Uncle Tim there. Little tip. Yeah, I got other questions. Don't don't think you're getting off any. Oh dear, here we go. No, that's fine. Well, then I have to ask you about your your background. Obviously, you're an attorney and now a distinguished scholar of residence at Loyola, your uh, alma mater. How does that all come about? How do you like? Okay, I'm going to be a lawyer, and then you become a lawyer. It's like, no, I think I want to be a writer, and all of a sudden you write. Mm-hmm. Novels and mystery novels and nonfiction, and you know, become world renowned in your writing. How's that process come about? Very oddly, and very without much direction. I um, I'm trying to be more intentional in life and pick the result you want and work toward it. But I once told a friend of mine that if I had done that all my life, I never would have done the things that I had done because uh, I mean, I only took up writing after law school. So I really think that you don't have to be, I was not a natural writer. I don't think you have to be a natural writer or a natural artist or a natural chef, you know, to take to pick something up as an adult. So that was what was I, I did. I took writing classes just because I kind of wanted something more creative. And, you know, I was a lawyer and I was practicing law and it was a lot of work. And I just needed some kind of outlet. And um, so for three years, that was just the thing I did to be creative. And then I finished a book. I shopped it forever, didn't have any luck, and randomly met a um, an editor at a writer's conference, and she would later buy seven books from me. So wow. ultimately, a little, little networking never hurt. And the fact that I had passion for it meant that by the time I met that editor, I was working on another one. I had finished Burning the Map, and I'd shopped this book about a girlfriend's trip that changes this whole life of this woman from her friends to her family to her love relationships to her professional. And so it changes everything for her. And I was already, though, nobody was interested. So I went on and I was writing something else. And I was already thinking about projects beyond that. So I think I got, you know, I was fortunate that I loved it because that's when I sort of pushed my foot in the door. I was a little bit ready to go, you know. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, in the fact that, you know, a lot of uh, writers are natural born or have a love for it at the beginning, you know, at a very early age. And some of us, like myself, well, you know, we develop a little bit later in life and fine tune our skill and our craft a little bit uh, better as we go along. And I, I think you hit it right on the head also, the fact that, you know, just the key is to write it, write the book. Get it ready to go. Get it all ready to go. Get your proposal. Get your your manuscript ready, everything ready to go. And if it's not the right timing for that book, go on to the next one because you never know when the right timing is going to be for the first one that you wrote. So true. I wish I had a um, dark, like, Gone Girl type manuscript up my sleeves <laughs> ready for this. But I think you're totally right, and that's kind of how it ended up working because by the time I found someone who was interested, that first novel about this you know, backpacking trip to Europe would basically, it was in style all of a sudden then, because that was one of the start of, they called it chiclet at the time, we just call it women's commercial fiction now, but it was the timing of that, absolutely. Because I had been sending it out there and people were like, it's, it's good, but I don't know about young women, you know, so it absolutely, and I think the timing has been perfect with the dog park too, because, you know, I mean, when you get a dog, everything's dog, when you're in love, everything's love, you know, and vice versa with everything, but it's been such a perfect time. So many people are getting dogs, and there's just been such a, you know, the dog pets on Twitter and pet videos. It's really been like a fun time to have this book out, you know? Absolutely. I would agree with you on that, and it is that, like we said, the common denominator. There's more dog parks popping up, so it's a great social aspect of it as well, and, uh, and of course, it's a great read, so you did a great job with the book. 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. It was fun after having, like I said, written mysteries and been focusing on some weightier things. It was, I mean, I wrote in dog parks. I took the Schaefer everywhere with me. Just had a total blast writing it. And I say, you know, hopefully, I think that, hope that comes across. That it's because we're, we're sort of planned it as a, just a really fun read. The dog park is a book you can take to the dog park. There you go. Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about your writing styles and some of the plans and, and how you maneuver from one style to another. Uh, we're going to come right back to that after this commercial break. So everybody hang tight. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with Laura Coldwell after these messages. You're listening to the Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hi, this is T.O.D. Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm here with author Laura Caldwell. Now, Laura, tell us about your various writing styles. I'm trying to get a feel for how you maneuver from you know writing mysteries to legal thrillers. You do women's fiction. You've had great success with nonfiction. How do you maneuver from one genre and one type of writing to another? Well, I think it is difficult, and to be honest, this was fun to write, the dog park, but really, if there is any writing that's easy, and writing is not a particularly easy craft, but if there is any writing that's easy to me, it was writing these Izzy McNeil novels. We have um, six out. The first was called Red Hot Lies, and it's about a sassy, red-headed lawyer who moonlights hmm. as a private detective. <laughs> hmm. It's like my, <laughs> my, it's my avatar. It's my like the hotter, cooler, you know, smarter me. Um, but those were easy because it is. I mean, you always, as an author, you're the more you see these people that you're writing about as real and living, the, the more they come to life on the page. And when you stay in these characters' lives for six books, and I wrote them fast, we wanted to put them out, the first trilogy out, Red Hot Lies, Red Blooded Murder, Red Right and Dead. We wanted to put them out in one summer because we knew when wow. people you know, like a character, they like to have more of those books. So those were the easiest. And the toughest to write was the nonfiction because it was about a murder trial that I had handled 
in uh, the city here in Chicago. It's called uh, The book is called Long Way Home, A Young Man Lost in the System and the Two Women Who Found Him. And it was about a, um, a man who, young man who had been in a Cook County holding cell for almost six years without a trial. Mm. And my girlfriend had found him and taken on his murder case and um, ended up bringing me into it. And it was a very kind of crazy ride of a trial and of a friendship that sort of sprung up between all of us. So that was tough to write because it was emotional, because I was making Joe Vaughn, who, you know, wanted to write the book, but I had to make him talk about his experience, which was exquisitely painful. And and then I had to, like, footnote everything, <laughs> which just made it all the tougher. So, you know, as to your, going back to your question of how do you, how do you, you know, maneuver from one genre to the next or one type of writing to the next, and I don't know, you know, I, mine tend, I think they're all kind of, bleeding into each other a little bit. The dog park definitely has some mystery elements that I just could not <laughs> weed out of my, you know, my my writer's quill, so to speak. And so, and I think that came in even in the nonfiction book. We, you know, wrote it to read like a thriller, even though it was about, you know, a murder trial here in the city. So, you know, I don't know if you do it too well, and maybe I'm not doing it as well as I'd like because they, they definitely, these components kind of bleed over. But then it's fun because then it becomes a craft and you're actually able to say, oh, you know what, I think I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to save that for later. You know, you get to see it with a little more skill. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, and I think it's good for a writer. Uh, you know, most of my work is nonfiction type, memoir type writing, and but you know, I do interview pieces and do some fiction pieces as well. And and I think from a writer's aspect, though, you may have a nice foothold in one type of writing. It's good to expand yourself and get out of your comfort zone and and see if you can uh, weave into something else. It's challenging. It's frustrating. It's scary as heck. But it's good to do as a writer. I agree. I totally agree. And it's kind of like when things are scary, that's usually an indicator. It's probably a good thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's right. Scared straight, I think, is the key. So when putting together the dog park, when you talked about it, it was fun, easy to do. Yes, it was a good book, Schaefer. These are the only interviews. Like for this book, I'll never have another book out where it's okay for the dog to bark. That's right. That's right. We love them. We expect it. We're, we're on the right track if we get a bark in the background, so it's good news. <laughs> but putting together the book, did you find the flow of it being so easy that you had to cut out chapters and words and things of this sort because you were actually involved in this? Or was it more of a character piece and you got in touch with the characters? What made uh, this book flow and, and make it fun for you? Well, the thing, this couple is divorced because he, this Sebastian, the ex-husband, is a journalist and he does a lot of work where he's embedded with the troops and as a result, he can't talk about his work a lot. She didn't like that. It was one of the things that broke them up. And in the book, he is overseas on a trip when some of this stuff with Baxter the dog, Superdog, some of this video stuff hits. And I was doing a lot of research on um, investigative journalists, and particularly those people like so many of them right now who are really putting their necks out there to get information. And so that was really fascinating, too. And that's where that kind of mystery kind of crept back in there, because it was just, it's so gripping what, what these, you know, people will, the stories that they, the lengths they go to to get these stories. So that for me was what, there were so many subplots in the dog park like that, 
that kind of had a life of its own. I almost could have kept writing, you know, about those characters. So it's, you know, it's definitely the fun book with a charming golden doodle in it and there's all these things, but there is this mysterious thread. So I think that's what kept driving it for me too. Yeah, and it's nice how you wove it all together. It really does because it's, uh, you know, it's more than just a relationship book. It's more than just a dog book. It it really has yeah. some uh, intrigue in there and the characters really come out strong. So you did a good job with that. Thank you. I very much appreciate your kind words. That's exactly what we were going for. It's got to be character-driven, ultimately, right? It has to be. Yeah. But then it also, it's, I, I just like things to move. I, you know, I read on a couple different devices now, and as well as in regular books. And I have less and less patience for, I just don't, I like to, <laughs> I like to you know, have some closure. Do yes. so I need this theme to end or this chapter to end, please? So that's how I started writing it, too. And it's easier to write like that, to be honest. That's funny you mentioned that because it's, I don't know if it's just our society, you know, I call our society the yeah. uh, the 10 minute oil change society. And if it's 11 minutes long, then we're, we're yelling at the oil guy, I think is what it is. <laughs> but we've got so much access to such good material and we can take it anywhere we want to go on all these devices. And yeah. uh, I... I too, I find myself that way. I want to read a lot of good material, but I want it, here it is, what is it, I enjoyed it, next. Let's go on to the next one. And I find myself writing that way too. Yeah, I know exactly. And it's, we're only sort of feeding the beast, but it is, people are so creative right now. There's, it is so many, there's so many good products, you know what I mean? It's just, there's a lot of good TV, there's a lot of great books out right now, you know, there's just a lot of good stuff. And so you do fight, you know, you know that as a reader, you have a lot of options. So when you're writing, you know, from the author's standpoint, you do have to keep in mind that this is competing against a lot of other things. It's not just a lot of other books these days. It's a lot of other things, you know, gaming and TV shows and reality shows. And I think we're going to see more of that, more of um, packages where people will have, there'll be a kid's book and then there'll be a, a movie and there'll be a reality show and there'll be a novel. And I think, you know, the way it's going, but that will also allow people to maybe share what they're watching or reading. You know what I mean? That's right. You know, everybody has a voice and you should be sharing it. And uh, there's really no excuse not to get out there and write something or give your opinion on something or get your message out there. And, uh, and I think you're right. As writers, we have, yeah, there is. And, you know, and I think as writers, we have to grab their attention and keep it any way we can. So it's a tough task, but it's a fun challenge as well. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, you're mentioning speak out or say your opinion or whatever. And I just think we always have to just remember to do it kindly. You know, that's one thing that's been distressing sometimes, you know, seeing just some of the uh, unkind words exchanged, especially by, you know, anonymous people. So yes. I think we all have to step that up a little bit. A little yeah, bit. <laughs> I agree with you there. I, I look at the end of each article, there's usually open for comments and I rarely, <laughs> I rarely ever read those unless it's something where I have to respond to it. But uh, yeah, I think you're, that's a good comment. Be kind, give constructive criticism where needed. Otherwise give plenty of accolades because you want that, that writer to come back with even uh, more and better stuff that you can enjoy. Well put. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And if not, then you don't have to read it. That's right. You can turn it off, close it up, turn your, off your okay. tablet, whatever you want to do. Move on to the next one. Won't even take it personally. <laughs> won't even. Of course, that's <laughs> after they buy the book or the download, right? And then we won't take it personally. <laughs> well, you know, the, I actually, the, this article that I wrote recently for Exo Jane, formerly Jane Magazine, now it's exojane.com. I wrote this article about how they gave it a rather sensational title. They called it something like, I chose dog motherhood over being a real mom and I like it or something. It was, it was kind of a rather... Um, 
I don't know, the title was a little salacious, but basically it was about how I'd long decided not to have kids, and then eventually the dog was, you know, sort of enough for me. And I was very happy I'd made, you know, these were choices I'd made. I didn't just not think about it and whatever. So I go to look at comments, and I see there's like a couple hundred comments. I'm like, oh, geez. And I thought I was just going to get laid and maybe I have since then but people were really really nice about it and really thoughtful and just saying you know good job yep everyone has to make choices in life and good job for doing it so I, I as much as I caution us to be nice when we're critiquing it I think people maybe that tide may be turning a little bit there you go always think positive and I, and I agree with you too I agree with you too there ain't there's nothing wrong with being a doggy mommy that's for sure that's right you tell him Schaefer you got it <laughs> all right well Laura we're coming to the end of the show today tell everybody uh, where they can pick up a copy of the dog park and um, also more about what your activities are, are there any websites anything you want to share with us yeah, lauracaldwell.com is uh, where you can see all the different books and the various formats. If you like audio, Burning the Map, my first book, came out this past year in audio, and we just put out The Dog Park in audio. The Dog Park has this immense, just, oh, just amazing narrator, Therese Plummer, and um, so she's fantastic. And otherwise, you can get it on your device, on your Kindle, on your iBooks, or please go to a local bookstore and get the print book. So this one, there's, it's pretty much got a lot of formats out there. So I'd love it if people checked it out. It has really been, it's been you know, fun to write and then to go on and get, you know, get to talk to people like you. So I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you writing and, and also coming on the show today. Everybody pick up a copy of The Dog Park by Laura Caldwell and go to her website, lauracaldwell.com, and check out all of her other writing and activities she has going on. Plenty to do, plenty to read, and always great stuff. Laura, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you, Tim. Have a good one. You too. All right, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. I'd also like to thank our sponsors and producers for making the show possible. Uh, to find out more about me and other guests I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show, you can visit PetLifeRadio.com and click on the Animal Rights icon. Download the episodes and listen to all the wonderful authors and writers that we have on the show. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other wonderful hosts and shows that we have on Pet Life Radio. That's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can email me. Email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most onto the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, an article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.